0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of A Composer's Journey. So I have two questions in this episode, although they're both very related questions. So I'm going to answer both of them one at a time. So firstly, Naz and Naz actually asked a question on. He asked both questions and I answered one in the last episode, and I'm going to answer the other in this one. Naz says, is it okay to be a composer if I don't know how to play an instrument? I have a guitar at my house, but I don't know how to play it. I just know how to play the piano on my phone. I can't afford to buy a piano or a keyboard. So look, on the one hand, there's no rules, right? I mean, do whatever you want, live your life, have fun, do whatever you feel like doing with the means that you have available. It's the same as if I were talking to, you know, someone who draws or someone who's an artist. You know, they might say, "I can't afford paints." I can't afford a canvas and I can't afford proper oil paints. Is it okay for me to be an artist if I can't afford oil paints? And you'd probably say, well, can you afford a pencil and paper? Hopefully they'd say yes. Then by all means, draw, learn to sketch, use what you have available. Um, so y- you can do whatever you want. You can you can compose music even if you don't know how to play an instrument. However... Um, if, if you want to take this at all seriously, even slightly seriously, you should really learn an instrument. You should really learn an instrument. Um, you can learn a lot simply from learning an instrument, even any instrument. It doesn't necessarily matter what the instrument is. You'll learn so much simply from the practice and discipline and experience of learning and playing that instrument. Uh, it, it, it's kind of the same with music theory. Nowadays, it's become fashionable to say you don't need music theory to compose. And I think a lot of, you know, rock musicians or whatever, and a a lot of uh, even composers who write for film and TV, they don't necessarily, they, they have, they don't have strong music theory. And that's fine. They can still write good music. However, there's huge amounts of benefits to learning music theory. I found like right in front of me right now, I have the score to the Matrix film the original Matrix. I've got the sheet music to the Matrix and I can open it and I can look through and I can I can read the music. I can look at the music. I can hear bits of it in my head and I can say, oh, that's what they're doing with the clarinets. That's what Don Davis is doing. These are the harmonies he's using. These are the rhythms he's using. This is how it all comes together. I can look at the music and I can understand it because I've trained in music theory. So no, you don't need music theory to become a composer but there are incredible benefits to learning it that you can open a score and you can read it and you can understand what's going on in that score you don't need it it's not necessary but there are huge benefits to learning it um i learned in the uk this week uh, i was talking to a head of music from a certain school and he said that music a levels a levels are like uh, they're a bit like sat's in america they're like the the uh high school exams you take when you're 17 18 years old you take these exams and they kind of dictate which university you might go to but in music a levels in the uk um they're debating whether you actually need much music theory anymore they're 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 not because music music has become such an unpopular subject in schools they're wondering whether there's too much music theory and it's this really interesting balance because um they think We should make music more practical, add in more, you know, composing and more performing and less analysis. But the counterbalance to that is I learn so much from analysis, which then feeds in to what I do or just feeds into my appreciation of music. But of course, when you're learning it in school, it doesn't always come off that way. Sometimes analysis comes off really boring. Um, And I get that. I do. I've been there. It can be really boring, but you can learn so much when you have that skill. In the same way, uh, learning an instrument can sometimes be tough, it can sometimes be boring, but you learn so much from those skills. I wish, if I could go back to my 15-year-old self, I wish I could slap him around and say, learn your scales, practice your scales and your arpeggios, because scales and arpeggios on the piano, they're really boring to do on the whole. They're really they're really boring exercises, but they unlock so many doors in... Um, in terms of the repertoire you can play. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. So look, learning an instrument will give you a measurable benefit. If you're not sure which one to learn as a composer, I'd say piano is probably the go-to. And you know, my piano skills could definitely improve. I'm not a great pianist by any stretch. I regret being lazy with it, to be honest, in my teenage years. I was lazy, at times I was really into it. I really played a lot, but at times I was very lazy. Um, but it's hard to describe that value of being able to just get your hands over something, being able to pick a piece, pick up a piece of music, and just being able to play it, even if you're not playing it at full speed. Just being able to figure out what the composer's doing and get your hands over those chords, get your hands over those lines, figure out what they're doing. It, it, there's a real special experience that you're 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 playing something and you almost understand it with that physical connection. The piano is also great because it's a polyphonic instrument, meaning you can play multiple lines at the same time, or you can play complex chords, uh, which you can't do on, say, a recorder or some, you know, a flute or something. So I'd really recommend learning the piano if you've got to choose an instrument, at least to a functional level. You don't have to be like a Juilliard performer. You don't have to be a world-class pianist, but at least play it to a functional level. I, th- I would say that I can play the piano functionally, but I'm absolutely not a performer. Actually, I'm very rusty at the moment because um, I became very lazy with piano over the last year or so because I haven't needed it. I I really need to brush up my piano skills because I haven't needed it over the last 18 months or so. Um, I've worked on other skills instead. Uh, So, you know, learn the piano at least to a functional level. And if you're going to need piano for your career really seriously, then learn piano beyond a functional level. But uh, as a composer who writes things on paper or on the computer, my piano skills are functional. I'm satisfied with them. I can read through other people's scores, not always at full speed, but I can, and I can play whatever's in my head. So it's functional enough. But also learning an instrument will give you an understanding of how that instrument works. It'll give you an understanding of the physical connection that a player actually has with that instrument. If you learn the violin, you'll understand at a really deep level the actual physical connection that that player has with the instrument, how his fingers are working, how his bow is working. You'll understand that on a real much deeper level than you would if you were just guessing. So I'd really encourage you to learn an instrument. And this leads me on to the second question, which is from Jeffrey. And Jeffrey says, how do you know which instruments or which instrumentation to write for when you're just starting out. For example, I play violin and I know string instruments very intimately, but I'm scared of starting with string quartet repertoire because I've heard about how challenging it is. Similarly, I'm hesitant to write something with piano accompaniment because I am not a pianist and I don't know enough to feel like I can write a convincing part. I really want to practice composing, but I never know which ensembles to score my early pieces for. What would your advice be on this? So this is this is a trickier question. Um, so Jeffrey's a good violinist, but he's uh, he he doesn't want to write a string quartet, and he's worried that he can't write for instruments that he doesn't know because he, he he's not sure he'll be able to write a convincing part. So on the one hand, I'd be tempted to stay. To say, start with strings, and yes, string quartets can be very challenging because uh, because in a string quartet generally the composer wants to keep all four lines interesting. All four lines of the quartet want to be dynamic, interactive. They want to play off each other. So string quartets are particularly difficult, but there are other forms you can look at. Uh, so I would say model what other composers have done. So, for example, recently, I was studying John Williams, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. And I actually did a podcast episode on that a couple of weeks ago. And I found this this, this suite by John Williams called the Harry Potter Children's Suite. It's, it's a children's suite from the Philosopher's Stone. And it's kind of the themes from the Philosopher's Stone, but it's organized for for strange groups of instruments. And there's one movement in there called Family Portrait. And it's scored for four cellos and one clarinet. Four cellos and one clarinet. And you should go listen to it if you don't know it. It's absolutely gorgeous. I found it on YouTube. Gorgeous movement. And I listened to it and I just thought, I want to write something for that combination. I want to model that. And so what happened was I think back in September I had this period with with no composing work um it happens sometimes and by the way (laughs) feel free to commission me (laughs) always happy to receive work but I had this period with no work in September and so I thought you know what I'm gonna try writing a piece for four cellos and one clarinet just to model that John Williams piece and it, it was my don't get me wrong it was my own music it was my own musical ideas but it was inspired by that little short piece by John Williams and I haven't finished it because other work eventually did come up but uh it's a really beautiful combination, and I looked at that piece. I printed off the sheet music for that piece, and I modelled it. I modelled the way he wrote for cellos. I modelled the way he balanced cellos with clarinets. And, you know, now that I make this podcast, there'll probably be, there'll probably be like 100 other pieces now for clarinet and for cellos. But that's not my point. My point is try to find some other simple genres to model. Uh, look at Saint-Saëns Organ Symphony, for example. Symphony Number 3, his organ symphony. That has a slow movement in it, or it's, it's, you know, technically it's part of movement one, but really, you know, it's the slow movement. It's, uh, and it's strings. The strings move very simply. It's very simple, slow strings movement, you know, it, mostly quarter notes, mostly crotchet movement. And there's organ but the organ's not complicated. It's a very, very simple organ part. So look at that. Look at the slow movement from the saint organ symphony, um, because it's very simple for strings, very simple for organ, and model that. Model that. That's an opportunity to write something beautiful, which isn't too complex. And as for the case of, as for the case of writing for instruments which you don't play. I get it. That's intimidating. And so it's worth reading a book on orchestration. One of the go-tos is uh, Samuel Adler. Was it Samuel Alder? I think it's Samuel Adler orchestration. Um, Look that up. It's a great book, which will give you a lot of information on all the different instruments. And, you know, that's for most purposes, that's enough. And if you're ever in doubt about writing a bassoon line that's too complicated, Try and ask a bassoonist. You can. You don't even need to know one. You can go on Facebook or you can go on Reddit and ask a bassoonist. So if you're ever in doubt, you can always ask someone. But in general, learning orchestration will teach you enough about the instruments to at least write something um, when you're learning. If you want to write a bassoon concerto, that's a different question. You know, if you're writing a a piece for solo bassoon, which has an insanely complex bassoon part, then you want to consult with a bassoonist or learn the bassoon. But for most purposes, learning orchestration from a book like Samuel Adler's will be enough. Uh, And yes, modern piano can be particularly tricky to write for, as people tend to expect complexity with modern piano pieces. But if you want to learn, you know, you could start by modeling a Beethoven sonata, maybe an early Beethoven sonata, where they have more predictable textures for left hand and right hand. So, you, you know, what I'm saying is model things that you like. Look at things that you like and model them. Find something you love listening to, find the sheet music and write your own music modeled on that piece. And I, you know, I feel like I said this a lot in the last few episodes, but that's because I really believe in it. Model things which inspire you, but which aren't too challenging. And remember that you don't need to write huge symphonic masterpieces. He said, Jeffrey says that he's afraid of writing a string quartet You don't have to write a full string quartet. Just model some kind of texture which you love and write two minutes of music. Just write a two-minute piece. That's all. Especially when you're early on, especially when you're learning. Just write something which lasts, I don't know, one minute to three minutes. Three minutes max. If it goes on for longer, that's fine. That's great. But there's no need to try and write a 30-minute symphony or a 30-minute string quartet. It's much more likely to get performed in real life if it's short, sweet, and beautiful, you know, two, two to four minutes—I don't know—just keep it short. It's much more likely to get performed in real life, and it's much more likely to remain a good piece of music if you just keep it short than if you try too hard to make it this long, epic thing. So, while you're learning, just write short pieces which are modeled on music you already love. Go ahead—I um, mean, speaking specifically to Jeffrey, but to anyone—go ahead and listen to the Sanson slow movement from the Sanson Organ Symphony and model that. Or go ahead and listen to Family Portrait from John Williams' Children's Suite and model that. Or or model something else. Model something you love. And just do two to three minutes of music. Just a very short, self-enclosed piece. It's like with novels. You know, I've read advice for authors. Uh, They say, don't start by trying to write an epic novel. Start by writing short stories. Learn your craft through writing short stories. Because short stories, you know, they have their own challenges. But if you start by writing a full novel, you're going to get very tied up and you're going to get very lost in the craft. It's too big a task to take on before you've actually learned your craft. So that's my advice. Model something you love and and start by just writing short pieces of music, two or three minutes. And uh, for Naz, learn an instrument. If you can't afford a keyboard right now... You can get short keyboards, by the way, which are cheaper. They're not ideal, but, but they're better than nothing. You can get like, I think they're like 60, 60 key keyboards. A full-size keyboard is 88 keys. You can get 60 key keyboards. You can get 49 key keyboards, which are shorter. They're not ideal, but when you're first learning, they might help. And if nothing else, you say you've got a guitar at home, so learn the guitar. Learn the guitar. If you want to take this seriously, then learn. You don't have to, but you're only holding yourself back. It's like, um, you know, if you wanted to write poetry, but you don't know how to read and write, well, you could probably still write poetry, but you're only holding yourself back. You know, yes, there were certain, you know, Milton was blind. He he had to have people read to him and he had to dictate his, he had to speak his poetry and his daughter would take it in dictation, I think. But that's a pretty rare case and Milton was highly intelligent and I'm sure before he went blind, he could read. So, you know, it would be bizarre to say, I want to be an author, but I can't read and write. And in the same way, it would be bizarre to say, I want to be a composer, but I don't want to learn an instrument. It just, it, bite the bullet and learn it. And the thing is, you know, it's not like, oh, but then I have to spend 10 years before I can enjoy it. No, the whole process of learning an instrument is so enjoyable uh as long as you have the time <laughs> it's, I, it's, it's so enjoyable he says having uh barely practiced the piano in the last year but um it really is so much fun especially when you're young and you do have the time to learn an instrument it's so much fun so um actually just 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 hyping this up it's making me want to go and play the piano right now so so you know it is so much fun so so anyway enough said this will be the end of the episode but if you have questions for me You can uh, join my email list at insidethescore.com forward slash composers. And once you're on that email list, you can ask me questions. You can send me your questions. And I can't promise that I'll answer all of them. But if you have a very good question, I will try to answer it. Maybe not in the next week, but over time, as I get through these questions, hopefully I'll come to yours. So join that email list and then you can ask me whatever questions you like. Thanks very much for listening and I'll see you next time.